Welcome everyone to another episode of Orthopod. I uh, am now visiting a colleague and friend from Hamburg, Germany, Mustafa Sitek, who is the attending orthopedic surgeon at the Endo Clinic Hamburg, a very, very large uh, high volume clinic. Uh, currently functions also as the research director, uh, research director and fellowship director. Mustafa, welcome. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mohit, uh, for the invitation. It's a great honor for me to uh, do my second podcast, uh, and I'm really excited for the next 15, 20 minutes. Okay, so let's let's chat briefly about a couple of things. And I think, you know, for me personally, you know, we read a lot about what's happening in Germany, and certainly Germany is not, uh, you know, it, they've had a significant number of cases relative to others in the in the world. So, like, what's happening with respect to life in Germany? Like, what is the current state of the situation? Okay. Um, as you said already, in Germany, we have uh, not so much cases uh, like other countries, for example, uh, Spain or Europe in uh, Spain or Italy in Europe. The current number in Germany is around 125,000 cases, and the mortality rate is fortunately low. But if you compare with the last weeks, we have a increasing mortality rate so we we, we had a, a short discussion two weeks ago i think at this time the mortality rate was seven point as uh, zero point seven seven the current number is around two point four percent so it's increasing there uh, as you mentioned i'm from hamburg hamburg is the second biggest city in germany and the mortality rate here is especially young, um, lower with 1.7%. Uh, we have around 4,000 cases in Hamburg and 67 uh, patients deceased. So it's a number of 1.7. The one reason for this lower number is maybe that the um, average age of the population is in Hamburg younger because it's a, uh, the second biggest city and uh, it's more the more university city. We have more single and young people. That uh, could be the reason. So how affects the life in Germany? Of course, like everywhere, the life has changed in the last uh, few weeks or months. Uh, we do not have in Germany like a completely lockdown, not in Hamburg, so you can go out for uh, walking, you can do your sports, but for example, you have to do, of course, uh, 1.5 meter or 2 meter distance. So what is not allowed, if you uh, go with more than two people, you are, it's not allowed to uh, to meet two other two more than two people. It's also not allowed to visit friends. But you can go for shopping, but to be honest, most of the shopping centers are closed. You can only uh, buy food or something to drink. Um, but personally, if I go outside, uh, you can feel it every time. Mine, usually, if I'm, I'm going uh, in the morning by car, I have, I'm seeing less cars than usual. More people are using um, bike cycles because to avoid any contact to, to the people. And you can feel it everywhere. You see more people uh, walking with masks and staying uh, with distance, especially if you go for shopping. It's a very, very, very strange situation sometimes. So let me ask you this. I mean, uh, you know, this surely must be 
be having an impact on the clinic itself then? You know, if, you, if there's a complete change in terms of distancing and, you know, no one uh, moving, I presume, I presume, and I'm, you know, maybe you can enlighten me as to what is the situation right now for the endoclinic in terms of just what's happening at the clinic level. So are surgeons uh, significantly decreased in the activities? Are elective procedures still happening? Mm -hmm. Or if they are, how are they happening? What's kind of the... Uh, endoclinic, as you mentioned, is the largest arthroplasty high volume center in Europe. And we are doing usually elective surgeries. So right. usually usually we are doing 45, 45 cases, including spine and uh, sports cases. But currently, since uh, minimum four since minimum four weeks, we have decreased the numbers. So we are not doing any more elective surgeries if you can postpone the surgeries for minimum two months. Like what yes. types of surgeries are, are urgent, I guess, when you're uh, managing, yeah. let's say, hip and knee arthritis? Yeah. For, for us, urgent means if you have a periprosthetic joint infection. So okay. this, is, this is the urgent case. We have also emergency cases, like, of course, periprosthetic fractures or if you have a dislocation of a hip. Yeah. And sometimes if you have a loosening, like a severe loosening, and uh, you cannot postpone the case maybe two or three months later. So we are yeah. also doing those cases. But in general, the number has decreased a lot. We are doing 10 to 12 cases a day maximum. Okay, so it's almost like a 60% reduction, almost two-thirds, yes. huh? 65%. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow, okay, got it. And then how has that impacted in terms of like the, so, sort of the way you organize all, all other activities? I know personally you're quite invested in research. So yes. how, how is that, like how has that changed? I mean, are you, research is a machine I mean, that often requires face-to-face yeah, -face input. Have you, have you been looking at virtual approaches or what's been the approach there? I mean, uh, in endoclinic, we had no cases with any uh, positive uh, patients. Yeah. The good thing is we started very, very early with uh, the prevention. So right. in our hospital, we are taking care of uh, all patients with the distance. Uh, no handshakes are allowed since yeah. six weeks or more than six weeks. Yeah. So uh, the patient or we are uh, wearing masks and especially in hamburg we have um, in march this was this time it was in march we have the ski uh, holidays so the most of right. the people in hamburg go to the uh, skiing for for march so every colleague yeah. or every patient who were at this place we didn't operate or we screened all the uh, all the patients or the colleagues to avoid any uh, positive uh, patient to have the patient in our hospital but right. uh, my uh, my work has uh, changed also be um, because uh, i was invited to many um, many uh, meetings so i have to cancel all the meetings and now I have, uh, because our hospital is like, we are scheduling uh, for every surgeon the, the, the surgeries. And this week I was scheduled for Istanbul. So I'm here, so I have uh, less cases or almost no cases. So I can focus on uh, research. So for me, right. it's, uh, it's good because I can do research. And uh, we are doing a lot of research, as you mentioned. And uh, my free time, if I have free time, I'm focusing always on new research projects. We are also um, trying to do um, 
multi-center study about COVID-19 positive orthopedic trauma patients. So we will start uh, very soon to, to see the right. outcome. Oh, that's very good. So when you look at um, how things are happening right now, so when you look at, at, at your situation, do you find yourself and your colleagues um, having a sense of when this is going to go back to what would be considered the you know pre-COVID era, which was you know full reinstatement of, of procedures? Is there any sort of timeline that's been given to you? The world always is questioning, you know, when can we get back to the way things were? Yeah. That's a, a very good question. Until now, nobody knows how long does it take, but uh, we have to see every uh, week or we have to make new decisions every week, sometimes every day. Um, but of course it has changed and we have to uh, see how it works. Like right now we have less surgeries, but we cannot. I cannot tell you until now when we will start again with uh, with likely with a normal uh, day, it can happen maybe months, it can happen years. We have I have no idea. It, it depends right. on the situation, and it depends also from the from the uh, government. If the government allows us to operate, then yeah. we can operate. But uh, if the government says also it's not possible, it's we cannot do anything. Got it. And then. So what has been the general uptake? So has virtual medicine become sort of the approach that you're taking at the endoclinic? So these, all these patients that are scheduled, are, are you now interacting with them virtually? Are you doing virtual follow-ups? What, what's happening with your virtual care uh, movement? No, uh, we talked about the virtual um, like uh, follow-up or visits. Yeah. So we are not doing it now. Uh, we are only doing, uh, for example, research meetings or other meetings virtually. Right. But uh, we have less uh, patients also in the outpatient clinic. So usually every uh, surgeon has 25, sometimes 35 patients. So every surgeon has decreased the numbers. And uh, we are not uh, scheduling the patients uh, like, so we have to see not every 15 minutes another patient, so we have a new scheduling system, but we are not doing virtual. It hasn't been something that's been hugely valuable at this point, or at least hasn't made yeah. sense for you to do. Have you had any interactions? You know, the big thing we've started seeing examples of is patients who are on a waiting list for, let's say, a primary hip or knee, have called back and said, you know, I'm okay. I don't think I'm going to need one now. I, I, you know, I, I don't have to. I don't need. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm maximizing my non-operative treatments. I'm doing a bit more home physio or whatever the case may be. We've started seeing examples where, um, you know, patients on waiting lists have said, nope, it's okay. I think I'm okay. H have you seen any of that happening? Yeah, we have. Of course, we have. Uh... The waiting list for the patients, as I mentioned before, we are not doing primary hips or primary knees. If there is no, for example, avascular necrosis, it's a hip. It's yeah. something like urgent. But if you have a normal uh, osteoarthritis of the hip or of the knee, so uh, we are not operating. We are saying the patient, so he has to, he, he can go to the waiting list. So we have postponed all the cases for a minimum two months later. Right. But I guess the question is, in that event, in that environment, non-operative treatment becomes, you know, yeah, you are right, you are much right. more important, right? So in that case, yeah. you know, there are many patients with hip or knee arthritis who just don't maximally uh, maximize non-operative yeah. approaches. Yeah. And I wonder, 
those who start using some of these non-operative approaches, are they saying, I'm good, I don't need surgery anymore, or I yeah, don't but, need that? Uh, but, yeah. yeah, but you know, you are absolutely right. But the problem is that the patients are not going to the uh, doctors the for the orthopedic yeah, surgeon outside. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. biggest problem. I think uh, the patients are a little bit afraid to go to like outpatient doctors to to get a like a treatment for conservative treatment. Yeah. So that's yeah, the biggest yeah, problem yeah. because my brother uh, is also is, is a professor too, and yes. he has a he has a uh, practice in Hamburg, and he has also uh, less cases than usual. So. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah. You've thought about this. You've thought about this from the perspective of what's happening in Germany. You've thought about this from what's happening in the endoclinic. And by the way, the endoclinic sees how many um, joint patients a year? How, how many patients do you treat in a typical year? You said it's the largest, but how, how many is the volume? Uh, yeah, we are doing uh, seven, around 7,000 arthroplasty cases a year. Wow, that's a lot. Okay, so that's a massive, massive change from where you were and where you are now. Yeah. You're a thoughtful individual. You do, you do, you think about research. Think about clinical practice. What are the lessons you're learning from this whole experience, and how might those lessons be applied in the future? Ah, uh, that's a very good. That's a very, very good question. Um, we learned many things. Uh, I thought every time that uh, as a arthroplasty surgeon, as a elective surgeon, I'm always safe. But now nobody expected this situation now uh, we have less surgeries and uh, as i said before we have instead of 45 cases only 10 to 12 cases so yes. uh, we are always we are thinking and everybody um, wants a new situation so hopefully the situation goes over but if you look at the last uh, pandemic so the usually it takes two years to uh, get yes. everything uh, back to normal. So hopefully this time it will get uh, earlier. Otherwise, uh, yeah, two years is a long time. We have to see and find new new ways. Because if you operate only 10 to 12 cases a day, it's it's a financial yeah. catastrophe. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. Yeah. You know, it's it's an interesting time, and I think well, as you said, we don't know what's gonna we don't know what the future is gonna hold. Yeah. Uh, but I, the, the one thing that I've learned from talking to so many people around the world has been that we all seem to be in it together. There isn't one group that somehow escaped this. Yeah. You know, we're yes. all in it and we're all trying to problem solve. And the idea yeah. of you collecting data and we collecting data, I think we'll have to come together. And I know you and I will be working on some really exciting projects. So I'm excited yeah. about our ability to work together. But, you know, just a huge thank you for taking a bit of time um, for you and for me, you know, uh, to be able to chat with you and get insights has been wonderful. So thank you very much, Mustafa, for the time. Yeah, thank you very much, Mohit, for the invitation. My regards Thanks. to Canada.